0: Hello. Hello, Gorge. How are you? Hello, darling. I'm wonderful, but I'm not in Jamaica. So how the (laughs) fuck are you? I am doing great. I definitely
1: strongly considered faking my own death and just starting over here and just never going back to New York. (laughs) Like three days ago, it was a very strong (laughs) thought process that was happening. No, it's great. You know, uh, lots of beach time, which I, uh, obviously living in New York don't really get because like Coney Island and shit
0: fuck all the way off. I'm not fucking with any of that. No, they're like dirty, gross beaches. No offense. I mean, yeah. Yeah. They're not like beautiful, tropical, like turquoise water, clear, like bathwater beaches. Yeah. No, exactly. They're cold and kind of gross, dark and have fucking
1: great white sharks in them. Yes. (laughs) No, thank you.
0: Hard pass.
1: Yeah. Hard pass. Uh, No, it's been cool. Just, you know, trying to chill out as much as I can, which is not my normal state. It's not my baseline. So, you know.
0: Yeah, that's true.
1: Yeah. I'm not a chill person. I've accepted that. It took a really long time to accept it, but I'm not.
0: One of my favorite things about you is that you're not chill.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad someone likes it. Thank you, Amy.
0: You're very enthusiastic and I love it. Yeah. I live in hyperbole, as they say. It's amazing. I would honestly not have blamed you if you'd faked your own death. I totally would have been like, "I know what the fuck happened, and I'm gonna just like roll with this." Yeah,
1: I'll be like, you'll just get like a like a, a postcard that has like n- nothing written on it, just like an address in Jamaica. You're like, "I know what the fuck that means." Yeah. <laughs> like girls trip.
0: <laughs> it literally just says fingers in the eyes, and I'm like, ah, I gotta go to Jamaica. <laughs> She'll find me. It'll be like the end of fucking uh, Shawshank Redemption. Exactly.
1: (laughs) Say want to nail. Yes. And then we'll just embrace on a beach while I'm doing manual labor on a boat. I don't even know how to sail. that
0: will be great. No, I'm not. I don't want that for you, Monique. If that's what you (laughs) want to do, by all means. But I don't think you're the manual labor on a boat type of
1: girl. No, I'm definitely not. No, I'm definitely not. I'm a throw money at a problem type of girl. I'll pay someone else to do the <laughs> to do the manual labor.
0: Yeah. I'm a have a delicious drink on a boat kind of girl, but
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it's funny because literally every day, every day I've been here, they have like a, you know, like excursions and whatever the fuck. They have like a, a company that has a like a table in the concierge, like in the lobby. Yeah. To help you with your excursions and whatever. They've literally called me every day to be like, do you want to book an an excursion? I'm like, no, I don't want to do anything. I work every fucking second of my life. I was like, no, I don't.
0: You want to snorkel? You want to go, yeah, ATBing? And you're like, absolutely not. I don't want to be beholden to anybody
1: (laughs) to do anything. I don't want to be like, I'm going to miss the bus. Nope. Mm -mm. I want to be on the beach. I want
0: to eat. I want to drink. That's it. No timetable. That's my perfect vacation. Yeah, exactly. Like I'll do things. I don't mind doing things, but like those are my priorities. Yeah. If we don't do anything, I'm not going to be mad if I got to eat delicious food and have some drinks and just enjoy. I'm okay with that. Yeah. And this is, I think one of the only vacations that I've not
1: taken tours and shit. I was like, I, I actually can't like emotionally.
0: <laughs> you did not take a ghost tour of Jamaica. That's what you're telling me. I did not.
1: Damn! I'm surprised. Well, also because, like, the big ghost tour is like, oh, this is super fake, by the way. Yeah, Like, the story's not real. So I'm like, ah, who gives a fuck?
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so I'm like, "Mm." I kind of blame you on that one.
0: Yeah. Have you seen any nice cemeteries? I know that's your other thing you like to do on vacation.
1: No, I actually have not left the compound of the resort. Because also... Apparently it's fucking wildly dangerous, so so I'm definitely just staying here.
0: Yeah, NBD. Yeah, exactly. The fact that they're calling it a compound feels very culty. So I mean, yes, it's something else,
1: but that's just you know doing this has done that to me. That that's what I, I that was my first word to grab uh, to describe it. But it was one of those things that when I booked the flight. I went through Delta, fuck yeah. And then there was like a travel advisory, like a little banner travel advisory that showed up. I was like, oh fuck. And I was like, is this like riddled with COVID? like, no, it's like super fucking dangerous. It's like, there's lots of crime, don't go. It's not really advised for you to go. And I was like, fuck. And they're like, even in in all-inclusive resorts, it's like, you know, lots of crime, lots of sexual assault. Like, oh no, I hate all that. And then I did the story last week and I'm not on Reddit. I don't know how I'm on a Reddit email list, I don't know how technology works. So I, I do the the story last week. And then because everything's watching you all the time and all the cookies and whatever, I get an email notification from Reddit about someone posting that they're thinking of moving to like, to essentially non-faking their own death, but just like moving to Jamaica.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Legally. Yeah.
1: Okay. Doing it the above board way. Boo. <laughs> and they're like, oh, I'm thinking of like going to like, you know, moving to Montenegro. Like, what's your... What's your, you know, intel from everyone? And everyone's like, do not do that. Don't do that. It's so dangerous. Don't do that. (laughs) It's like, oh shit.
0: It's nicer in your head. Just live in it up there.
1: It's like, don't do that.
0: Yeah. It's
1: like, you're thinking of, of the resort you went to last summer.
0: Which was nice, but that's not the same.
1: That is not the rest of it. It's like, don't do that. I did see Starbucks from on the way from the airport to the resort. And it was very weird because... It's not like a regular Starbucks. It's like in In what way? Yeah. It looks like a Jamaican Starbucks.
0: I was like, it's like a cabana themed Starbucks. Yeah. Kind of. Okay.
1: And I was like, what the fuck is this? It was just very weird. And I, I, I'm a, I'll, I'll fuck with the bucks all day long, but it's just.
0: (laughs) Oh my God. Can they please make that their new slogan? That's amazing.
1: (laughs) There was just something deeply unsettling about it to me when I saw it.
0: I'm sure. I'm sure it feels kind of like, uh, like Twilight Sony where you're like, did I just enter a different dimension? Like what, why is this weird? Yeah. Because
1: it's not like, I don't know. I can't describe it. I I gotta, if on the way back, I see it, I'm going to take a picture of it. It it was just something so off about it. And then seeing like abject poverty. And it's like, there's a Starbucks. It was just really fucking weird. So weird. Mm -hmm.
0: But at least there's a Starbucks. So fuck it.
1: I guess so, right? What have you been up to?
0: Uh, I have had not as exciting of a week. I'm still in New York mm-hmm. just working nonstop. I have got to watch a few shows. So, that's good. I have some recommendations for you. But funniest part of my week was Johnny and I were sitting in bed and out of the blue he just turns to me and he goes, "Have you ever seen the CGI baby from Twilight?" And I was like, I'm sorry, you clearly did not get the memo on my story this week. Yeah, I've seen the fucking Twilight CGI, baby, things. And I was like, did you see the doll, the supposedly haunted (laughs) doll? And then we got into like a whole conversation about this, and I just like could not stop cracking up.
1: And then were you like, I'm a podcaster, by the way, and I have a weekly (laughs) show that I record out of your apartment.
0: (laughs) Hey, By the way, PT dubs. But I was like, I love that we didn't have a conversation about it at all. And then he just like randomly brought it up four days later. He's trying to get in on that psychic sister vibe. I mean, he's a little slow on the uptake on it, clearly. (laughs) I don't think we're on this, we're not vibing the same way, clearly. Clearly not. But he's on it. He's getting close. I also got to work a Country Clamar concert, but I did get to watch most of the concert. And I have to say, very fucking impressive. Mm. Like, very artistic and just beautifully done, and there was like a lot of just amazing production value. It was not what I was expecting, but I was like impressed all around. So if you're a Kendrick Lamar fan, or somebody's like, "Hey, I have a free ticket, do you want to go see the show?" Even if you're not, fucking go. It was actually really good. Awesome. Yeah, I've only seen him perform the last
1: stop on the Formation tour. He showed up to sing Freedom with with Beyonce.
0: Oh shit.
1: Yeah, it was fucking amazing.
0: I mean, you went for Beyonce, obviously. Like, obviously.
1: No, it was that stop. It was like, who's in town? Because you're going to show up at, at the fucking concert. It was like, T.I. was there. I think DMX was there. DJ Khaled was there. Serena Williams. Like, and when I say there, I mean on the stage performing, not that they were just there. It was uh, Jay Z, like, everyone was there. It was amazing.
0: That sounds
1: amazing. Also amazing production value. Jay-Z. Really? Okay. Years ago, I saw him at the Meadows concert festival, which doesn't exist anymore. I believe. Yeah. I don't, I'm not familiar with that. Yeah. He's one of the headliners. And I was like, ah, I mean, I already have the three day ticket. Fuck it. I'll just, you know, I'm a casual fan. And I was like, Oh, I understand why you and Beyonce are a thing because you have the, the level of excellence is very, very on par. I was like, I understand. He
0: was incredible. And the production value was incredible. I love that so much. Mm -hmm. And it really will like make or break a show for me sometimes because through work, I obviously like see a lot of shows. So I'm very particular now and I'm always like, okay, this was worth the watch.
1: Yeah. And like, yes, the stripped down, like it's just me and a guitar is great too. Love that. But sure. No, no hate. No shade. Yeah. No, absolutely not. Sure. But like. Years ago, I saw Gaga and I, I I, wanted the meat dress and I wanted all that. And it wasn't that. It was very like, I wasn't underwhelmed. I was whelmed, you know?
0: What? Yeah, I know. That kind of blows my mind. I've never seen her, but I just, in my head, it's a fucking circus. Like it's going to be crazy and amazing. It really wasn't. I'm like actually offended. <laughs> what? Gaga, you wore a meat dress. What? Girl, you like- had people carry you out in
1: an egg what the fuck
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's what i expect yeah but
1: it also wasn't like you know gaga like acoustic mtv sessions either it was like somewhere in between it was like there was not there was a non-committal of like either way and that's what i was like really bummed about i was just like "Mm,
0: it was fine okay yeah noted yeah not did not expect that my brain kind of is taking a second to catch up here i know
1: i didn't either and I went to fucking New Jersey to see that. I was like, I would have stayed home. You hate New Jersey. You <laughs> no. what? Yeah. I went to MetLife, which is incidentally where I saw the last stop on the formation tour, which was incredible. And then the trains weren't running and it took me like three hours to get home. <gasps> and uh. they had to pause the concert, I think, or start it like two hours later because of like thunderstorms. So
0: I got home like four in the morning, but it was still amazing. Oh, that's, that's terrible. Yeah, exactly. I don't like that, but. I'm glad it was good. Yeah. I remember being so obsessed with that song and being so upset that they didn't have it on Spotify when it came out. And did I listen to the YouTube video on repeat on the train? Yeah, absolutely. I live that life, <sighs> girl. I love that
1: you do too. Cause I always feel like maybe I'm, maybe I'm a lot. Not maybe I've been told I am. But (laughs) I've been told repeatedly by almost every person I interact with, and I'm a lot. But I've never known anyone else to admit that to me. That's like, oh, no, I watched
0: this YouTube video on a loop for like three hours. I'm like,
1: I'm obsessed with you. I love that so
0: much. Yes. I have no shame. And this is why we get along so well. Absolutely. Because we have like these weird obsessive personalities where we're just like, I need to do this for my sanity. Yeah. And I don't really give a fuck who... Like, judges me for that.
1: Yeah. My boss told me recently that because when she opened the bar, she was the only person who worked there and she worked every single day for six months. Oh, yeah. I know. And it's like, there's no one else who works the shift with you. Like, it's open to close. It's just you because it's a small spot. And she's like, I mean, like, some days, like, I would just play one song on a loop until someone came in. And I was like, I feel so seen right now. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs)
0: You're like, yes. Yes. All the feels. Do I want to play
1: Avril Lavigne on a loop till someone comes in? Absolutely. Then we'll switch it over to Frank Sinatra or whatever the fuck, but that's what I'm listening to right now.
0: No, I love that. I've definitely gotten myself in trouble with that a few times though, because it'll be like a song that hasn't made it to the radio yet. And I'm like, oh my God, this is so good. I can't believe this like isn't popular. And then I'll listen to it on repeat for like a week. And then it'll come out the next week on the radio. and I'm like, I can't fucking listen to this song. One more time that like burn myself out on it.
1: Oh, see, I don't, I don't really get sick of stuff like that.
0: Really? It's been a while since I did it, but I remember doing that very specifically with, uh, Hey There, Delilah, mm. like loved it. listened to it just like nonstop. I was like, this is such a great song. And then the radio got it. and I was like already so burnt out on it. I was like, I cannot hear Hey There, Delilah one more fucking time. I need like a year break before we go back. Sorry, plain white tees. Um, My younger brother
1: hates that song. What? With like the fire of a thousand suns. He hates it.
0: So good.
1: It's so good. It's that and that song, April in Paris, and So Happy Together by the Turtles. Like-
0: hate and it's they're like it's such a weird those are so random yeah it's like that's such a weird collection of songs to hate they're so random but he hates those songs okay <laughs> judgment a little bit but also like whatever it's fine i got it we all have our things yeah of course but it's it's so oddly specific because the other two i know
1: why he hates them i have no idea why he hates hey there delilah other than he fucking hates it.
0: Shrug emoji. I have no idea. I'm just shaking my head in, in disappointment right now. I'm <laughs> just like, okay, <laughs> okay. Well, now I kind of want him to listen to Filter's cover of Happy Together because that is one song I'm obsessed with. And I am always a huge fan of when covers of songs like change the whole Tone of the song to something different. And that's a really great example of that. I
1: didn't know that Filter did a cover of that. And yes, I love, like, Ryan Adams does that a lot. Yeah. Like, his cover of Wonderwall is very tonally different, which I think is very cool. Cause it's like, Wonderwall by Oasis, I think is like, very like, oh, you're my Wonderwall and you're wonderful. And whereas Ryan Adams is like, you are, I had you and I lost you. And it's very like, oh, It's very angsty, which I love.
0: I love angsty. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm an angsty girl. So let's get it. Girl, you know, the emo
1: 90s kid is very real. Still lives inside of me for sure.
0: Yes. Yes. (laughs) You can take the emo girl out of the 90s, but you're never going to take the emo out of the girl. That's, that's real.
1: Absolutely. (laughs) There was a meme that I saw this morning that said, there was one day that you and your best friend walked out of a wet seal for the last time and you didn't even know it.
0: And I was like, oh, that like hurt my heart. <laughs> Fuck. Oh, that does hurt my heart or a hot topic. Either, either one was the last time and I didn't know. Isn't hot topic still a thing? Probably. I haven't been in fucking years though. When do I walk by a hot topic randomly? I mean,
1: that is true. No, because Donna always... <laughs> Donna always buys me shit from Hot Topic for my birthday.
0: <laughs> I mean, it's on brand. So I get it. I would not. I've, absolutely. If I walked by Hot Topic, I would 100% fucking button hook into that bitch. So I just haven't seen one in fucking 20 years, probably.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, well, I think I, I think I may have mentioned this before. That she, her, her niece, who's like within the same age range that that I am, was wearing a a face mask that was like black with like a skeleton, like skeleton bone structure. And Donna was like, oh my God, where did you get that? And her niece was like, hot topic.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I thought about lying about it, but
1: no. (laughs) Because the shame is so real, but I loved a hot topic. But now like shit, hot topic is really cute. Yeah. And like, not just like, Fairies and stuff.
0: It got cooler over the years, I feel like. It got way cooler. Yeah. Yeah. Were you the person who was asking me you couldn't figure out where to find a bathing suit? Like, where to buy a bathing suit? Or was that somebody else, weirdly?
1: No. I I know how to buy bathing suits. I'm from Florida.
0: Okay. I was talking to somebody (laughs) else about this, and they were like, I don't even know where to get a bathing suit right now for some reason. uh, Like, all the stores I went to, like, didn't have bathing suits.
1: Oh, because they're, they're doing the fall stuff now.
0: Yeah. And literally all I could think was like, is wet seal still a thing? No girl. And then I didn't say this to them at all, but I was in my head all week. Like I kind of missed that store. That was, it had like cute stuff. I was like, I wonder where that went. I haven't seen one in years. And this answers my question, Monique. Thank you.
1: Yep. Wet seal and Contempo Casuals. Those were my fucking jams. Oh,
0: yes, girl. It was all like cool beachy shit. I loved it. Yeah, exactly. Ugh, love it. So I will give one recommendation and then I want you to horrify me with your paranormal stories. <laughs> so because I love fucking eighties sci-fi movies, Predator is one of my favorite movies and they just added on to the franchise. I don't know if you heard. I did not. But yeah, Hulu, Hulu, like exclusive original, not coming out to theaters only on Hulu. Oh shit. It's called Prey. And it stars Amber Midfenter, who plays Carrie Loudermilk in Legion. And it's fucking awesome. It was really, really good. I was really impressed. I might like it more than the original. Oh, shit. That's some shit. I know. I know. It's bold words. But if you are a fan of the Predator f- franchise, like get on that shit. Very cool. Girl. Check that out. Yeah. I had no idea. I've okay.
1: got just been working a lot, and even when I've been here, I've been working (laughs) on the
0: story. (laughs) Um, Yes. Of course. It's never really a vacation, Monique. I get it. No, girl. No. It's not. No. It's not. All right. All right, girl. You have a creepy, spooky, what-the-fuck paranormal story for me? Yeah, and I
1: think everyone's going to be down a clown, because I'm going to be talking about the curse of the pharaohs, a.k.a. mommy curses. Beow, beow, beow. Yes. Yes. So uh sources. Grunge.com has multiple really, really in-depth articles about this whole situation. So they're fucking great. And they even have like a couple of YouTube videos. So if you want more info on this, check out grunge.com. Really amazing resource. Scoopempire.com, mentalfloss.com, dw.com, ancientegyptonline.co.uk and good old Wikipedia. The curse of the Pharaohs, or the mummy's curse, is a curse alleged to be cast upon anyone who disturbs the mummy of an ancient Egyptian, but especially a pharaoh. This curse, which does not differentiate between thieves and archaeologists, is claimed to cause bad luck, illness, or even death. Ancient Egyptians created many security measures to deter grave robbers, including designing the ancient tombs in a way to confuse potential thieves and adding hidden chambers. However, mummy curses were more likely to be present in the tombs of private citizens rather than royalty. Presumably, I know. Didn't know this. That
0: was unexpected. Yes.
1: Okay. I know. Presumably, which this makes sense, because royal tombs had better security than just some fucking rando.
0: Okay. So all this makes sense. Yeah. They're like, we can't afford 24-hour bodyguards, so let's just curse it and then hope for the best and I'm going to go home.
1: Yeah. An abridged example of a curse found on a tomb reads, quote, As for anyone who will, do something evil against this my grave, seize a stone from this my tomb, remove any stone or any brick from this my tomb, enter this tomb in impurity. He will be judged regarding it by the great God. I will wring his neck like a goose and cause those who live upon earth to fear the spirits who are in the West." I will exterminate his survivors, end quote. Savage. I want this shit written on my fucking tomb. Like,
0: damn. I know. If somebody's writing my eulogy, it needs to be this guy. Because this is dramatic and I'm fucking here for it. Absolutely. Bring your neck like a goose, though. And I will exterminate his survivors.
1: (sighs) I mean, this is some like ancient Egyptian, like, B D E. If I ever fucking heard it, <laughs> girl. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what I mean, like, I'm here for all of this. Oh my god, I'm totally obsessed. Also, were you like that person that in sixth grade learned about King Tut and then became completely obsessed, like me? Yes.
0: It was probably earlier than sixth grade though, because I loved like all the mummy curse things. Yes.
1: Yes. Yes. I know. I figured, and I was like, I feel like Amy's gonna be here for the story. Girl. Yes. The earliest known report of A Mummy's Curse comes from Louis panacher's 1699 account of a Polish traveler who had taken two mummies from Alexandria. The traveler boarded a ship across the Mediterranean Sea with the two mummies in tow, but he started being haunted by visions of the two ghosts who appeared on the boat and in his dreams. While on his voyage home, the sea became increasingly stormy and violent, and as the waves got worse and worse, the traveler believed this to be the wrath of those he had unjustly taken. So he threw the mummies overboard and allegedly, as soon as the two bodies were swallowed up by the sea, the storm calmed and his spectral visions came to an end.
0: Oh shit. Okay. Yeah. Well, don't be taking mummies people like, come on, that's not yours. Leave it there. Thanks. (sighs) Pretty basic stuff guys interest around
1: mummies and their tombs only increased in the Victorian era with Egyptomania sweeping the empire. In the 19th century, mummy unwrapping parties became popular. What? Yep. Mm -hmm. No clue. This was a fucking thing.
0: Okay. But send me an invite. I'm in like, it's weird, but like I might not personally unwrap it, but am I going to like hang out in the back with a drink and watch this shit?
1: Yeah. No, that's literally what it was. Okay. So This shit became popular among the British leisure class. And while allegedly it was done in the name of science, like, you know, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Okay. These spectacles more likely appealed to the more purant interests of the repressed upper class as salacious entertainment. So literally like there was a guy who like was the like top mummy unwrapping dude. And then be like, Oh, this is si-, <laughs> like, it, because of course there was, of course, there, if there was a top like vermin fucking defense attorney, of course there's a top unwrapping mummy dude.
0: Yes. I want to see this man's business card.
1: <laughs> oh dude. So literally it would be a thing that like, they would just, they would go to Egypt and they get mummies. But then it's, it's became such a fucking huge thing that people like in Egypt, they just started getting mummies literally from like outside of, like from everywhere just to like sell them for these fucking unwrapping parties. And then it'd be like, Oh, you know, but then because these mummies are fucking thousands of years old, like sometimes they would like damage the mummies in wrap wrapping because the wrapping was like stuck to them and they'd be like ripping off flesh and shit. So eventually people were like, Hmm, maybe like we shouldn't do this. I don't know what was the thing that caused it to stop happening, but it was definitely a thing for a long time. But apparently this is better than, like, when they would fucking crush up mummy parts and, like, use them as, like, tonics for, like, limp dick or whatever the fuck. Ew. No. Girl, I
0: know. This shit's wild. People are nuts. That's terrible. Here's how boring it was back in the day. (laughs) This was fucking the hot ticket. This is the Kendrick Lamar of the day. Like, they're fucking... They're like, oh my God, we're going to the ra- the unwrapping party. Let's do this. Exactly. Exactly. Oh my God. But to be
1: a fly on the wall at
0: any of this shit, I would
1: give anything to be like, to just see that the reactions and if there was like fainting and shit or whatever the fuck, I, w- I would be so here for watching this this fucking nonsense.
0: Yes. Yes. Also, I love it that I'm sure it's just like a bunch of fucking... <laughs> people getting like drunk. And then they're like, it's for science though. And they're like the unwrapping's not going well, actually. We're like pulling off a bunch of flesh and it's like, yeah, you're not scientists and you're probably all wasted. Let's be real. (laughs) Let's be fucking real. Again, invite me to this party. If you're having a mummy unwrapping party, I'm in. Oh, absolutely. Like RSVP immediately. I am not turning down that invite. No. Absolutely not. I have so many questions for the host. That's all.
1: (laughs) No, they're like, this is an evening of science. But also, like kegs in the corner. <laughs> like,
0: <laughs> kegs in the corner. <laughs> I love
1: it. I'm obsessed. So, let's get to the most famous example of a mummy's curse, the one that brought the concept into the mainstream consciousness the opening of King Tutankhamun's tomb. For those who don't know, obviously, it's kind of skipped fourth through sixth grade, apparently. King Tutankhamun, also known as King Tut, was a teenage pharaoh of the 18th dynasty. Prior to 1922, he was a little known and kind of unimportant ruler as far as pharaohs go. The discovery of his basically intact tomb in 1922 solidified him as one of the most well-known pharaohs of all time. On November 4th, 1922, a team of archaeologists led by Howard Carter discovered a step that marked the entrance to King Tutankhamun's tomb. On November 26, Carter and company first entered the interior chambers of Tut's tomb. There they found treasures that had not been seen by human eyes in over 3,000 years, which was a rarity given that the majority of pharaonic tombs had been looted in previous centuries. In the final chamber, opened on February 17, 1923, Carter found the now iconic sarcophagus of King Tut, as well as numerous jewels, statues, chariots and articles of clothing, all of which were carefully cataloged. And according to popular legend, one other thing was discovered when the final chamber was unlocked, a powerful deadly curse upon all who dared disturb his eternal slumber.
0: Yes. We should maybe start reinstituting curses on bodies. Like I'd be down for that. If you want to like sprinkle a little curse over my, I'm not going to have a grave cause I'll be cremated. I'm not doing that, but you know what I mean? Just like, In the ether. How many curses do you think Nicolas Cage's grave has? Like, it has to have so many. (gasps) Like, so many. They're
1: innumerable.
0: Like, he has, I'm sure he has, like, a special number that's, like, special to him. I feel like we all kind of do. And then it's going to be that. He's going to be like, no, there's 79 curses because.
1: Because some fucking witch doctor in New Orleans told me to. Which is
0: (laughs) the whole reason he has. Girl. Yes. Illuminati fucking. Yes. Yes. I
1: can't for one second. Oh my God.
0: Oh my God.
1: But you know, that thing has like a billion curses. I'm here for it. I'm here for all of it.
0: Yeah. I was like, fucking get it. I mean, what's wrong with that? Like all you're doing is preventing grave robbery and like shenanigans for yeah. your body. Yeah.
1: It's like the man who stole the what, declaration of independence is gonna
0: make sure no one steals him like that. Right. Oh my God. <laughs> I just keep thinking of him and Wickerman with the bees. I can't.
1: I cannot. Okay, guys, I don't know if we've discussed this before. Hard pause. Okay, if you have not gone on the YouTube and Googled the best of Wickerman.
0: Oh, please do yourself
1: a favor. Yeah. Treat yourself. It is so fucking funny. I cannot... And I, I love the original Wicker Man. It's one of my favorite horror movies of all time because it's brilliant. And as is usually the case, the remake did not understand what was the point of the original for no, for who the fuck knows. And it has Nicolas Cage in it. And it is so insane. Just don't even watch a movie. It's terrible. But just watch the best of Wicker Man YouTube video. You're welcome.
0: Yes. <laughs> it's so good. Back to the mummy curses and not the Nicolas Cages. Curse. Yes. Curses. Back to the,
1: our regularly scheduled programming. After the opening of King Tut's tomb in 1923, various members of the Carter expedition met an untimely end. The first to succumb to the mummy's curse and perhaps the most shocking death was that of the man who financed the expedition, Lord Carnarvon, who accidentally tore open a mosquito bite while shaving. The bite became infected and the Lord ended up dying of blood poisoning shortly thereafter which what the fuck
0: that's kind of a lame way to go that's not how I want to die I want something a little more badass absolutely
1: that's that's like a bitch way to go that's definitely like a Jurassic Park like Muldoon like had the most bitch death in Jurassic Park and especially since he's like I'm a badass yeah you know they're hunting you and then he gets literally he's like this is how they hunt and then that's how he fucking died it's like
0: you told them you knew dude
1: It's Jurassic Park's incredible,
0: but that's the most bitch way to go. Just saying. With my luck, I'm definitely going to die like this. And it's going to be super anticlimactic.
1: No, like I said, I don't want anyone else to have any sort of part in my death. No. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if I died via mosquito because I hate them and they love me. So
0: girl, same girl. Do you have O blood? Is that why? Or they just love you because you're so sweet. I
1: don't actually know. I have no idea. Okay. You don't know your blood type? No, I don't know my blood type. Uh, which is not great.
0: It's fine. You don't really need to know. That's it. I guess
1: it's it's the modern era. Uh, when I did get my, the last surgery I had, they had to take like a billion vials of blood. I was like, Hey, I was like, right before I was going to the OR, does it, does it say in there what my blood type is? They're like, no, I'm like, cool. Great. I hope I don't die.
0: <laughs> <laughs> just, just asking. <laughs> just thought I thought I'd, you know, you know, check on that. Cool. It's like, nope. You'd think that'd be on a chart, your medical chart.
1: You would think so. And I asked my mom, and she only remembers my older brother because that's what happens when you are the second child and a girl in a Cuban family. They don't even hide it.
0: I'm not surprised, but is my jaw on the floor right now? That's so fucked up. Monique. Oh yeah, no. like I love you, but that's so fucked
1: up. Oh, there's like so many things that it's like she knows like everything. She knows the time my brother was born. It's like me is like, it's hmm. around like nine o'clock. Like she, no, no clue. <laughs>
0: She's like, I think born in October? I'm not really sure. It was like, eh, towards the end? Eh? Maybe? Maybe November?
1: I mean, I told you that for the first 10 years of my life, I didn't know when my birthday was because she would, she didn't really remember. It would tell me different days.
0: She like, yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> that's, that's really fucked up. The middle child thing is
1: definitely a thing for a reason. Just saying that's really fucked up.
0: If it makes you feel better, I don't know if I, I probably have mentioned this before, but there was one year. I'm an only child, okay? Mm-hmm. Only child. Yeah. And my dad forgot my birthday. Oh, well, that's fucked up. And literally, like, was on a trip and then came back and it was literally, like, July 12th, fucking three days later. And he was like, oh, my God, I just realized I'm so sorry. Like, happy birthday. And I was like, It's cool. Like we literally talked on the day and I didn't say anything, but it's fine. Don't worry about it. Yikes. I know. Sorry, dad calling you out, but that happened.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So he passed away just a few months after the tomb was opened and only six weeks after the press started reporting on the quote unquote mummy's curse, which was thought to afflict anyone associated with disturbing the tomb. When Lord Carnarvon died, all the lights in the city of Cairo mysteriously went out.
0: Dun, dun, dun. Okay.
1: Yeah. Next up was Sir Bruce Ingham. Ingham was a friend of Carter's and Carter sent him a gift of a paperweight after opening the tomb. Might be important to note that the paperweight was that of a mummified hand wearing a bracelet.
0: I don't know how to react. Part of me is like, that's a fucked up gift to somebody. And part of me is like, that's the best gift to give somebody. Yes. I mean,
1: yes, I feel both of those, but I'm not enough fuck around and find out about the situation. No. You know what I mean? Like not with any of this. I'd be
0: like, return to sender. Can you imagine unwrapping that and being like, uh, thanks so much. Thanks, a paperweight? It's real hand. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so this mummified hand was wearing a bracelet and supposedly the bracelet was inscribed with the phrase, quote, cursed be he who moves my body, end quote. While Ingham did not die from the mummy's curse, his house did burn to the ground shortly after receiving the gift and when he tried to rebuild, it was hit with a flood.
0: Oh fuck! <laughs> dude, <laughs> he's not having a great, great couple of weeks here. No, how's it going? Not great, Bob. Worst housewarming gift ever, dude. Thanks,
1: dude. Uh,
0: <laughs> you literally fucked my house with your gift twice. God. <laughs> Then there was George
1: J. Gould, a wealthy American financier and railroad executive who visited Tutankhamun's tomb in 1923 and fell sick almost immediately afterward. He never really recovered and died of pneumonia a few months later. Then there's Audrey Herbert, Lord Carnarvon's half-brother, who was believed to simply be guilty by association as he had never visited the tomb. Herbert was born with a degenerative eye condition and became totally blind later in life. A doctor suggested that his rotten, infected teeth were the cause of his blindness. So Herbert had every single one of his teeth pulled out in an effort to regain his sight. Yep. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No! Oh, my God. No. This is massive Dr. Cotton vibes. Yep. Yep. The teeth thing is always so visceral for me. I don't. Yes. I know nobody likes that. Nobody's like, oh yeah. When I want to hear about some people getting their teeth pulled out, but like, ah, no, thank you. Please.
1: I know. Um, spoiler. It didn't work. Uh-oh. And he did, you know. And then he just didn't have teeth. He didn't have teeth and was blind. Double fucking whammy. He did, however, die of sepsis as a result of the surgery. Just five months. Mu- uh-huh just five months after the death of his supposedly cursed half-brother.
0: Oh, Mm -hmm. honey child. No, (laughs) it sucks so bad. That's so bad.
1: What a way to fucking go. Sepsis, damn. Hugh Evelyn White was a British archaeologist who visited King Tut's tomb and may have helped excavate the site. After seeing death sweep over about two dozen of his fellow excavators by 1924, Evelyn White died by suicide but not before writing, allegedly in his own blood, quote, I have succumbed to a curse, which forces me to disappear. End quote. What? Yeah. That's so intense. It's very intense of like, oh my God, all these people are dying. So I'm probably next. Like this is some like final destination shit. So I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna move the needle and take care of this myself. Nope. The fuck out of this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. American Egyptologist Aaron Ember was friends with many of the people who were present when the tomb was opened, including Lord Carnarvon. Ember died in 1926 when his house in Baltimore burned to the ground less than an hour after he and his wife hosted a dinner party. Now, this is the fucked up thing. He could have made it out safely, but his wife encouraged him to save a manuscript he had been working on (laughs) while she went to go get their son. So sadly, they and the family's maid died in the catastrophe. But the name of Ember's manuscript, the Egyptian Book of the Dead.
0: What? hmm Damn. Okay, so do we think that the curse was kind of working through her, or she was just, like, really into this manuscript? I mean, I don't know. Did they, like, order her from beyond this realm? Maybe. I didn't even think of that. Be like... Tell him to
1: save the manuscript. Fuck the kid. Save the manuscript.
0: Like he's got to go
1: get it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. I hadn't even thought of that, but maybe. Richard Bethel was Lord Carnarvon's secretary and the first person behind Carter to enter the tomb. He died in 1929 under suspicious circumstances as Bethel was found smothered in his room at an elite London gentleman's club. Soon after, the Nottingham Evening Post wrote, quote, the suggestion that the Honorable Richard Bethel had come under the quote-unquote curse, was raised last year when there was a series of mysterious fires at its home where some of the priceless finds from Tutankhamun's tomb were stored, end quote. However, one modern historian believes that Bethel was actually killed by occultist and famous Satanist, Alistair Crowley. What? Girl, I know. I was like, what is happening? And that allegedly that a lot of the like deaths surrounding like mummy's curses were actually like alistair crowley being a serial killer
0: wait girl i had never heard this and i'm obsessed with this theory literally
1: saved they're you know, like he was super into jack the ripper and just wanted to be another jack girl i don't fucking know if any of this is true but i can't handle it for one fucking
0: second if it is i mean it's probably slightly more plausible than a cursed mummy but I mean, who the
1: fuck am I to say that? Yeah. Same girl. Next was Sir Archibald Douglas Freed, a radiologist who x-rayed the teen pharaoh's body before the mummy was given to museum authorities. He got sick the next day and died three days later. Howard Carter, however, lived for over a decade after the expedition, but some still attribute his death from lymphoma to the curse. The curse of King Tut is the most famous pharaoh's curse in history, despite the fact that King Tut's tomb didn't actually bear an inscribed curse on the wall or on any particular item in its interior. Uh-huh. In King Tutankhamun's time, there was no concept of a written curse per se, probably because only about 1% of the Egyptian population could read hieroglyphics. And it's pretty unlikely that anyone educated enough to read hieroglyphics, would be robbing tombs. While it's possible that the tomb builders could have spread the curse via word of mouth, there's no evidence to support that they did. However, if you dig far enough into Egyptian history, there does seem to be a tomb or two that promised divine retribution for grave robbers. Early mastaba-type tombs, which predate King Tut by 15 dynasties, sometimes included curse-like threats of death by wild animals. However, The threats didn't really seem to work very well as a deterrent since tombs were usually completely raided and looted by the time that modern people discovered them. And it's like most of, a lot of the tombs, what was inscribed in them was more like not curses, but just like safe voyage through like river sticks and the underworld and all that. And to the other side was more was inscribed.
0: Okay. That makes sense. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So how did the concept of King Tut's tomb being cursed come about? There are a number of people who have been credited with helping to spread the story of the curse of King Tutankhamun. One culprit was Arthur Weigall, a writer for the Daily Mail who was upset that Lord Carnarvon had sold exclusive story rights of the excavation to a rival newspaper, The Times. So I'm like obsessed with all this. This is great. Yeah. Yes. So Weigall began to fill columns with whatever quote unquote tut facts he could including the story that Carter's pet canary had been killed by a cobra the day the tomb was opened, which he interpreted as an ill omen. Weigel's writing played up the curse angle, correctly anticipating the public would eat it up, and he later claimed to have predicted Lord Carnarvon's death, saying, quote, If Carnarvon goes down into the tomb, in that spirit, I give him six weeks to live end quote. Those are bold words, sir. I mean, also the daily mail is still like salacious as fuck. So (laughs) it's keeping, keeping in the spirit. Another person who is credited with spreading the story of King Tut's curse is none other than Sherlock Holmes creator, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, who had a well-documented fascination with the supernatural, despite being BFFs with professional psychic debunker, Harry Houdini. Doyle specifically told a New York newspaper that Carnarvon's death was due to a quote evil elemental end quote conjured up by Egyptian priests to protect Tut's tomb. Doyle backed up his conversation with anecdotes about personal friends he believed had been cursed by another mummy whose existence could not be confirmed. And the legend of the curse of King Tutankhamun seems to be going strong even decades after Howard Carter's death. In his book, The Golden King, world-famous Egyptologist Zahi Hawass tells the story of a German journalist who, in the 1970s, met with the director general of the Egyptian Antiquities Department, Dr. Gamal Merez, to interview him on his upcoming book about mummy curses. The journalist asked Merez if he believed in the curse, and the doctor replied that while he had excavated many tombs and mummies, nothing had ever happened to him. The next day, Merez passed away.
0: Okay. I know. I know. Okay. (laughs) That's one of those things that, okay, it could be a coincidence. If it is, that is a very interestingly timed coincidence. Yes. Wow. Mm -hmm.
1: Over the years, other coincidental deaths have been attributed to King Tut's Curse, including an archaeologist who was hit by a car after protesting the movement of some of Tut's treasures to France, and another director of antiquities who was killed while crossing the street. But let's get into the obligatory devil's advocate portion of the show. While it is certainly striking to look at a list of those who died or otherwise suffered as a result of the alleged curse of King Tut... A study carried out in 2002 by the British Medical Journal looked closely at survival rates of 44 Westerners who, according to Howard Carter, were in Egypt at the time the tomb was opened. Only Westerners were considered as, according to legend, native Egyptians were not affected by the curse. The deaths of the 25 men who were part of Carter's team were compared with those of the Westerners who were not involved in the opening of the tomb. The study concluded that there was no significant correlation between exposure to the tomb and the average age of death. No one who entered the tomb was more likely to die within 10 years than someone who hadn't, which,
0: yikes. Yeah. Also, science is spending money on this. Like, scientific funds (laughs) went to this research paper. Yep. Mm -hmm. I love that. It's 2002. Yeah. Like, what? Yep. Okay. Okay
1: priorities. Can you imagine writing that grant and be like, guys, oh, ah, like fantasy. I would love it. And they're like, yeah, here's all the money to your fucking study, girl. Bye con Dios.
0: I'd be like, yes. So would dream come true. I'd be like, thank you. This is amazing.
1: There was a popular theory that the tomb may have contained mold, spores, or other toxins that infected various members of the team. However, experts generally don't buy that idea even though mummies and tombs can absolutely contain deadly bacteria and mold. Labs have indeed discovered potentially dangerous molds growing on Egyptian mummies and tomb walls, including one that can cause bleeding in the lungs, which, yikes. Oh, no. Mm -hmm. And another that can cause lung infections, which would explain one of the deaths. George J. Gould died from pneumonia shortly after entering the tomb. However... The fact remains that many of those who died had already been ill with non-bacterial illnesses. Like Director General of the Egyptian Antiquities Department, Dr. Gamal Merez, who died the day after he told the German reporter he didn't believe in curses. Popular legend associates Merez's death with the movement of some of the treasures of King Tut to an exhibition in England. However, it was well known that Merez had long suffered from chronic illness, Furthermore, Merez actually specialized in Islamic archaeology and had not, in fact, ever excavated anything from pharaonic times. Not to mention, it's kind of sus that the deadly pneumonia-causing bacteria would only infect a single person when there were plenty of other people who spent a lot more time in the tomb than Gould did. And Howard Carter's canary, while the story has still been popularly circulated as an example of the mummy's curse, and while Howard Carter did have a pet canary. he gave it to his friend, Minnie Burton, to look after while he was working. So there is no evidence that the fateful meeting with the Cobra actually ever took place. Also, the lights going out in all of Cairo the night that Lord Carnarvon died. Well, it was kind of really common for blackouts, like citywide blackouts, to happen in Cairo. Again, very highly coincidental that it happened the night he died, but take that however you want to take it. While several other mummy curses can be discredited, like that mummy that sank the Titanic. Spoiler, it didn't. Pretty sure it was an iceberg. The carefully (laughs) documented, you know. (laughs) No, Monique. It was the mummy. It was the mummy. Because allegedly someone, like, brought a mummy with them on board. I don't actually
0: think I have ever
1: heard this in reference to the Titanic. There's a similar one with, like, the Hope Diamond, and there's similar things. It was allegedly, like, someone brought a mummy with them and then that's what caused the Titanic to sink. But the carefully documented manifests show that there was not a single mummy listed among its various cargo and content. So again, at the very least with all these things, just very highly coincidental. Like what happened to Walter Brian Emery. Emery was an Egyptologist who, during an excavation of a hidden tomb near Saqqara in 1971, One of his workers found an eight-inch statue of Osiris, the Egyptian god of the dead, and gave it to Emery, who took it back to his quarters at the end of the day. Emery set the statue down on the table and went to take a shower while his assistant waited outside. Not long after, his assistant heard the sound of weeping coming from the bathroom and called out to Emery. After receiving a response, the assistant entered the bathroom and found Emery standing paralyzed in the shower. He dragged the professor to the couch and called the ambulance. Emery was rushed to the British hospital in Cairo, where doctors confirmed that Emery had suffered right-side paralysis and was unable to speak. His wife, Mary, comforted him, but Emery passed away the next day on March 11, 1971. And the Cairo newspapers blamed his death on the curse of the pharaohs. Then we're back to Zawi Hawass, who was the one who wrote the story about asking the director of antiquities. If he believed in pharaoh curse, he's like, nah, and he died the next day? Yeah. So, Sawi Hawass is an Egyptian archaeologist and an Egyptologist who was Egypt's first minister of state of antiquities affairs. In his 2006 book, The Golden King, The World of Tutankhamun, Hawass discusses his experiences with mummy curses. When he was young, he was involved in an excavation in the Nile Delta. His job was transporting the excavated artifacts, most of which were from the Greco-Roman era, Cairo's Egyptian Museum. The very same day he moved these objects, his aunt died. The following year, a year to the day he moved the artifacts, his uncle died. The following year, his favorite cousin died.
0: What? Legit, all on the same day, a year after each other. Yes, a year apart. That's really weird. It's really weird. Like, coincidences happen, obviously. That's fucking... I that's just too coincidental
1: for me. (sighs) I'm creeped out by that. Totally. Despite the annual loss of a beloved family member whenever he transported ancient objects, Hawass does not believe in the curse of the pharaohs, rightly acknowledging that most of the deaths associated with King Tut were foreigners who had nothing to do with the actual excavation. Nevertheless, in his earlier book, The Valley of the Golden Mummies, he relates the story of how after excavating the mummies of two children at the Baharia oasis, he found himself haunted by the children in his dreams. Oh, no, thank
0: you. Mm -hmm.
1: After months of sleepless nights and a particularly frightening nightmare in which the young girl mummy reached out to strangle him... Hawass concluded that the children needed to be displayed with their father, also a mummy. After the family was reunited, the nightmare stopped. And like, yeah, maybe that's guilt, but for months? Yeah. To be haunted by these, I'm not here for it.
0: No, thank you. You know me and my my ghost children. I'm not a fan. I don't want mummy children haunting me. That's not better.
1: Mm Mm-mm. In 2007, a stolen ancient Egyptian artifact with a carving that contained a hieroglyphic text was anonymously returned to the Egyptian embassy in Berlin with a note from an anonymous sender claiming that the artifact was responsible for bringing the curse of the pharaohs and that it had cost him and his family nothing but grief and anguish since its death. The note said in 2007, a German man stole an artifact as a memento while in Egypt and brought it back to Germany, but he soon became ill and suffered from unexplained paralysis, nausea, mysterious fevers, and ultimately terminal cancer, which claimed his life. The thief's stepson sent the relic to the Egyptian embassy because he feared that until it was returned to Egypt, his family and his stepfather's soul would suffer. The Egyptian embassy in Berlin sent the fragment back to Egypt by diplomatic pouch, and it has since been handed over to the Supreme Council for Antiquities for authentication. And again, while several of these stories have logical, natural explanations, I am not one to fuck around and find out when it comes with any of this mummy shit. No. So that's kind of where I land on it. You know, it's that, I don't know if this is real. (laughs) Shrug emoji. Yeah. Shrug emoji. It's the thing of like, I'm just not even going to fuck with it. Yeah. But, and guys, let us know where you fall on this. If you're like, this is all bullshit. Very highly coincidental at minimum. Yeah. But. That is the curse of the pharaohs, also known as the mummy's curse.
0: (gasps) I love it. (laughs) Love curses. Love mummies. Girl, same. Let's do this. Yep. I'm with you, too, on the that's weird and highly coincidental. I don't necessarily just straight up believe in curses, Mm -hmm. but I'm also not going to fuck with it and take that chance. No. 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 I like to err on the side of caution, generally.
1: Exactly. uh, yes i'm with you Mm -hmm. i don't want to antagonize anything exactly it's like researching this gave me lots of Divic box vibes yeah and how fucking zach bagan's that motherfucker was like you you just sealed your own fate bro whatever the fuck and like and then the dude's dog died and i was like no kill zach bagan don't kill the dude's dog he's a fucking tool here yeah but yeah i'm just like i don't and how like the dude was like I respect the box. I totally respect. like, I'd be like, I respect you. I'm not touching anything. I'm, I'm like, I respect your power. I don't want any trouble. I don't want any trouble. I'm just, I, I respect you. Like <laughs> that being said, I remember there was a, like years ago, there was like a King Tut exhibition in New York that it was like, it wasn't the actual artifacts. I, I don't think so, but it was like moldings that are like replicas or whatever. And I was, did I go? Yeah. Because that shit's fucking cool. Okay. Yeah. I'm not touching anything, though. No, 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 no. I
0: respect you. I
1: respect your power. I respect you.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And I'm not going to be like, curses are stupid and not real. And then get fucking my ass cursed. No. Bro, come at me, bro. Come at me, bro. (laughs) I want to know
1: if any weird shit happened to the people who went to the unwrapping parties. That's what I want to fucking know.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm sure some weird shit happened and they blamed it on that, whether it was or not. Yeah,
1: I think so. I think it's very likely.
0: But... Either I want like pictures to
1: surface of these parties. Mm-hmm. I knew someone whose whose dad owned a mummy.
0: What? <laughs> yeah, you said that so casually. As if that is a thing that <laughs> happens every day, Monique. What? Yeah, his dad
1: bought for hundred and fifty bucks. Where did this man get a mummy?
0: Peru. What?
1: That's cheapest fuck. I feel like I know, and I was like, I don't feel comfortable that a human being is worth one hundred fifty bucks. Like, I spend more on, like, Trashy Diva dresses than that. Like, that's uncomfortable for me.
0: Yeah. Also, they literally just have, like, a dead body chilling in their house as, like, a display piece. Yep. Mm-hmm. Ooh! <gasps> Next to the Christmas tree, Monique! Yeah, and this dude would, like, have to, like, dust it and
1: shit. <sighs> but he said that it was, like, protection because multiple times when people broke into their house like whatever they were stealing was like dropped at the mummy's feet because as soon as they saw the mummy, they freaked out and they ran and they just like dropped the shit. So
0: I love that. (laughs) I love that so much. And I can't imagine a bunch of people who are like willing to break into a house, like seeing a mummy and just like losing their shit and being like, no, that's too scary. I mean, yeah. Like one, I would assume it was fake. I would be like, that's weird, but okay. Do you. I don't know. I think there's a market for it in Peru. I mean, you already have the thing. Get the fuck out. Yeah, that's true. That's crazy. But maybe
1: like this mummy's going to curse me because I'm stealing shit. Maybe. Oh, I don't know. I've never broken into anyone's home. <laughs> so I don't know. And I've never stolen anything. So
0: no, I've also never purchased a mummy. So there you go. No, that's not something I'd be in
1: the market for. No.
0: Okay. I was going to say, would you purchase a mummy? I actually don't know the answer to this. Okay.
1: No, the splurge purchase that I want of my life is I want an iron maiden. Like I want one really bad. Cause I think that'd be metal as fuck.
0: <gasps> That's cool.
1: Yeah. I support this. Like the one in sleepy hollow is so fucking beautiful and cool.
0: Literally. Fuck. Yeah. Go along with all my, my sugar skulls. I'm into it. Fuck. Yeah. I don't know where I'm going to find one of those for your birthday, but I'll <laughs> do my best.
1: <laughs> I have limited, I live in a Manhattan apartment. <laughs> I have very limited space for anything that I have right now. I bought four of the Stranger Things episode posters recently that I, I posted on the gram. <gasps> and I wanted all nine of them, but I didn't have space for all nine. So I had to choose four. So I had to Sophie's Choice, that shit. They're gorgeous. But it's a thing. I keep buying things and not having room for them. So if I, don't have, if I don't have space for a fucking poster, I definitely don't have space for an Iron Maiden. Not at this juncture in my life. But I do want one. Okay. I'll try to find a tiny one. I would love a tiny Iron Maiden. Right? Sounds cute. That's an appropriate paperweight. Not a mummy hand. Take note. Right?
0: Not a fucking hand with a bracelet. Thanks. No. And the things
1: I I thought to myself, like, maybe he was, like, super creeped out. Like, thank you for sending this to me and for thinking of me.
0: I can't imagine the reaction to that. Yeah. But...
1: Also, like, everyone was super obsessed with, like, all the Egypt mummy shit. So he's probably like, you guys, you'll never believe what my friend Howard got me. It's a fucking mummy hand. Right? It's amazing. (laughs)
0: Like, I kind of think that that's probably
1: more the reaction.
0: Probably. He's like, oh, my God. No, this is too much. too much. And you (sighs) thought of me. You're
1: so sweet. There was only two hands. (laughs) I I got one of them. Wow. (sighs) We
0: really are bros. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> uh i love this so much thank you please don't ever buy me a hand a human hand paperweight but i love you enough that i would if you really wanted buy you a hand paperweight <laughs> i
1: love you but no i i'd like uh i like all my skulls to be fake in my apartment i support this
0: thank you Thank you for that story. I fucking love that. I actually didn't know a lot of that, even though I love mummy curses and I was super obsessed with Egypt Mm -hmm. and like Egyptian mythology when I was a kid because yes. Of course. And you know,
1: we, we know your love for, for the mummy more like the daddy. We know it's been documented.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I do love the mummy. (laughs) It's so good. Such a good movie.
1: I mean, Brendan
0: Fraser, what a babe. Oh, uh, now I want to watch it after this. Ah, uh,
1: what a babe. Totally.
0: All right. Are you ready for the true crime portion of this episode, Monique? I was born ready, baby. Let's go. Fuck yeah, you were. So sources, dailymail.co.uk, teenvogue.com, people.com, newyorkpost.com, abcnews4.com, wyff4.com, which is the local NBC News for Greenville, South Carolina. Mm. FoxNews.com, Live5News.com, TheState.com, Wistv.com. Oh my goodness! And a WCBD News Two video on YouTube. So many sources. Oh my goodness! I know. So many sources. I did the thing. I love it. I know I did the thing where you pull like one line from it. Yeah. 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 I just like read so many things and I was like, Oh, I actually have to include all of them. Yeah. Fuck. Even though I like, they have a lot of the same information and I just use one thing. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So today I'm going to be telling you about Jordan Dinsmore. Okay. Jordan Dinsmore had always been the responsible one of her friend group. When they went to parties, the South Carolina native would always make sure that none of her friends left alone and was the type that wouldn't even start her car unless she knew everyone had buckled their seatbelt first. Oh, I love that. That's so cute. I know. Good for you, girl. Safety first. Absolutely. Yeah. In 2017, Jordan, who was 20 years old at the time, was majoring in criminal justice at the University of South Carolina while also waitressing part-time at Buffalo Wild Wings. Mm. On July 26, 2017, Jordan had just finished a late night shift at the restaurant. By the time she finally pulled into the parking lot at her apartment complex, the village apartments on Southern Drive in Columbia, it was around 12.45 a.m. She got out of her car, but as she turned around, three young men, all wearing dark clothing, suddenly came up behind the car parked next to her and pushed her to the ground. (gasps) She screamed, but one of them pulled a gun on her and threatened to shoot her if she didn't shut up. Oh my God. Jordan stopped screaming and complied when the men demanded that she hand over her purse and phone. She gave them the passcode and her ATM pin and begged them just to take everything and leave her alone. Mm. Instead, the men told her she was coming with them and led her to the passenger side of the car. Oh my God. But they couldn't figure out how to open the door. (laughs) (laughs) I know, girl. Dumb fuck. I know. The button they were pushing on the fob only unlocked the driver's door. And when things started taking too long, one of the men got spooked and ran off. After they finally managed to unlock the door, the other two men told Jordan to get in the passenger seat. She refused, but when they threatened to shoot her again, she was forced to comply. She climbed in the passenger seat while the gunman took the driver's seat and the other man climbed in the back. But what the two men hadn't anticipated was that Jordan's car, a black 2009 Toyota Scion, had a manual transmission. And neither man knew how to drive stick shift. This is literally like snatched. This is a Guy Ritchie movie. Girl.
1: This is hysterical.
0: I love it so much. By the way, this would fuck me up too. I'd be like, uh no, <sighs> I can't do this. I'm going to stall like 44 times before I fucking get it started. And I'm not dealing with this right now.
1: My dad's not a great communicator. I think it's his brain and his mouth just don't line up. Like I think his brain just moves too quick for his mouth to catch up. And then there's a bilingual thing on top of that, English being a second language. And when I was learning how to drive, uh, which is a skill I have not used in 20 years, yay New York, but he has a stick shift and he was like, the only way I'm going to teach you to drive is like on a stick shift because you need to know how a car works. I'm like, why, why do I need to know how it works? I'm not a fucking mechanic. Maybe, I think it took me maybe like 20 minutes to go down the block. And I was like, I can't do this goodbye. I can't do this. This is awful. It was not a great time.
0: I totally get it. Mm -hmm. Uh, I helped my mom move up to Massachusetts from Florida. Oh, wow. Okay. And I had like, I was living in New Hampshire at the time. So like I came down and we drove her car up and her car is a stick shift and I did drive it for a portion, but it's, One of those things, like, I drove it on the highway. So, like... Right. You didn't have to change gears. It was just... Yeah. I don't have to, like, stop and focus on dealing with the clutch and the brake and, like, slowing down at stoplights and then starting all again. Like, once you get up to six gear, I'm cruising. Good. Yeah. So, again, we're going to Massachusetts, but we went through, like, New York or something on the way. I don't really remember why. Oh, no. Girl, we get to the George Washington Bridge. It's stop-and-go traffic. And I... I can't like I'm driving and I am stalling every single time we stop behind somebody and have to like start again to the point that I get so panicked and so much anxiety. I literally just like completely bailed. And I was like, no, we need to fucking stop. I'm jumping out and you're running around and driving because I can't do this. And we literally on the George Washington bridge stopped the car. And my mom and I like ran around and switched positions so that she could drive because I, I
1: couldn't fucking do it. I, Totally feel that and respect that really hard. But fuck these guys. And it's hilarious that they're like, oh, stick, I don't how to fucking drive
0: this. Yes. <laughs> yes. I love it. And it's one of those things like, technically I can drive a stick. I know the process, but it's just, again, I would stall a million fucking times. I don't want to deal with it.
1: No, no, no. Mm-mm.
0: So Jordan, again, begged them to let her go. But since she was the only person in the vehicle <laughs> capable of driving it... The men ordered her to get in the driver's seat and drive to an ATM. As they forced her to drive to the bank, she tried to appear calm while still frantically thinking of a way to escape from the two men holding her hostage. She couldn't flash her lights because the men would have seen, and crashing the car seemed too risky. There was always the chance she could be knocked out instead of them, and then where the fuck would that leave her? When they pulled up to the drive-thru ATM, Jordan unfastened her seatbelt to punch in her passcode. She took out $300, the maximum amount of cash she could withdraw, and handed it over to the men, hoping to distract them from the fact that she hadn't put her seatbelt back on. Mm. She wanted to be able to get out of the car as quickly as possible if she had a sudden opportunity to escape. Mm. After handing over the money, she asked them again to let her go and told them they could take her car, but they refused. Uh, Not surprising, considering neither one of them can drive it, so like... no, like, what the fuck can I do with this? (laughs) Yeah. They're like, thanks. Great. So I can fucking stall 40 million times trying to get away from you. Cool. (laughs) Right. You're coming with us. Mm -hmm. Thanks. You're the chauffeur now. One of the men then told her that she was going to drive them to his auntie's house and that when they got there, she was going to have sex with at least one of them. (gasps) Oh my God. Girl. Yep. Which, like, that was a very nice euphemistic way to put that. But what they just said was, we're going to take you to a house and rape you. And you're going to drive us. Thank you. And you're going to drive us, yes, to your own sexual assault. Do you mind, actually? Thanks. As Jordan continued to drive on her kidnapper's orders, terrified of her imminent sexual assault and hoping they didn't notice the seatbelt alarm chiming, she thought of her mother, Beth, who she knew had almost been sexually assaulted in college, but had fought back and managed to escape. Fuck yeah, Beth. Right? Yes. And good for you, Beth, for talking about this with your daughter. 10,000%. And not just being like, no, the world's great. Don't worry about things. Yes. She remembered her mother telling her that if she ever found herself in a similar situation, to never let someone take her to a second location. Mm -hmm. Because that's where the really bad stuff happens. Because no one is around to hear you or help you. Mm. She would tell Jordan to just stay calm, don't let them get you alone and try to escape. Mm -hmm. Jordan told herself that she was going to be strong like her mom and get herself out of this, but she also knew her window to escape was closing fast and that if she didn't get away soon, the situation would quickly go from bad to worse. The guy with the gun was giving directions on where she should turn, but Jordan pretended to be confused and purposely missed a turn. He told her to pull over on the side of the road and when he turned to look out the passenger window, Jordan saw her chance to escape. As she drove her car into an intersection, she glanced at the speedometer and saw it was right under 40 miles an hour. She told herself to just do it, and with a rush of adrenaline, she quickly threw the car in neutral, opened the door, and jumped from the moving vehicle. <gasps> girl! Oh my god, full body chills. Full body chills. Yes. Jordan! Girl!
1: What a bamf. Yes! Yes! Jaws on the floor.
0: I want to pretend that I would be like brave enough to jump out of a moving car, but fuck, I don't know. That's a bold move. I literally got asked
1: recently by someone how long I would make it in a zombie apocalypse. I'm like, oh, like 20 minutes. Maybe, maybe I'm not a hero. I'm not cool. Like I'm, I'm like, uh, no, like nuclear fallout happens. I'm hoping that the blast kills me. I'm not surviving. I'm not scavenging for shit. Nope. I'm done. I'm not, I'm not going to be like Lord of the Fliesing this shit and leading troop. Like, no, that's no man. I'm not doing any of this.
0: No, no. Uh, I did play a party game with people somewhat recently where it, one of the questions was, it was like taking a poll. Everyone had to vote. It was like, who would die first in the zombie apocalypse? <laughs> and everyone, even though for, for the record, most of these people don't know me, picked me. And I, even though I always say I would nope the fuck out. I think that's some horse shit. Right? I was like, first of all, none of you know me. No, you're very crafty. Thank you. I'm very crafty. And you're like, I
1: would eat the fuck out of you people. Fuck you. Amy traded savage. Don't sleep on Amy.
0: Straight up. Thank you. I can be very like cautious and like. You're like, I've watched 20,000 seasons of Survivor. I know what
1: the fuck to do, girl. I
0: would be sneaking by the zombies. Yes. Like, I fucking got this. So yeah, I was deeply offended and I was like...
1: No, these people... Because they're dumb. You know what? But here's the thing, Amy. That's where you want them. Thank you. You want them to underestimate you. Yeah. And then you're just having some fever barbecue. Being like, fuck y'alls.
0: Yes! <laughs> I love it. Although we always have... We've had this conversation before and I always say that I would just like, nope the fuck out. And if that ever happens, I'm just like going to find... Some morphine and take the longest nap anyone's ever taken.
1: See, but I I feel like your your like rage of like I have to beat this would take over. Would take more of a precedence than you being like I don't want to do this. It's like you love a game like me. I'm like no, I'm not doing this shit, man. I'm out. Like you're like no, we're gonna (laughs) figure this out.
0: I do love a game. I would be like I'm gonna win.
1: I'm gonna win this. I'm gonna win this this apocalypse, guys. You're welcome. (sighs) Fuck all y'all's.
0: You might be right. I know I'm right. Fuck these people. Well, thank you for having more faith in me in the apocalypse than everyone else. Thank you. I, I don't know why they think. That's very odd. I was, I felt very judged. I think it's because I was like the most petite person in the group. And I was probably the one that they were like. I was going to say, it was like, because
1: you're small. Yeah. Small and mighty. That's me. That's dumb. That means you can, you could move quicker. Yeah can scurry in little areas.
0: That's what I thought. Yeah, no,
1: no, those people are wrong.
0: I'm less of a target for zombies. Thanks. Objectively. Yes. Yeah, no,
1: they're wrong. Uh, You're winning. You're winning all the, you're surviving all the things. You are the survivor. There can only be one Highlander and it's Amy Trayvon. (laughs)
0: don't know if that's a guaranteed fact but like i feel like i would last a while i would do pretty well come on give me some credit here
1: i mean i'm hitching my cart to your horse for sure but like you probably be like you are such a liability right now
0: (laughs) fuck off (laughs) i'd be like i love you monique but Mm -mm. no i'm leaning your ass no i would not and i'd be like
1: that's a that's a smart choice i respect that it's like it's fair totally fair Mm.
0: so Jordan's a fucking badass and she just jumps from this car because she's like, I'm, there's no way I'm going to this house to get fucking sexually assaulted. So bye. Bye. Fuck off. Good luck with the stick shift. (laughs) Amazing. (laughs) Although she was stunned from her landing on the side of the road, Jordan got up as quickly as she could and started running and screaming for help from passing drivers. Two vehicles passed her without stopping. But finally, the third car she flagged down stopped to help. She told the woman driving the car to call 911 and that she had been kidnapped. After calling 911, the woman drove Jordan to a 24-hour gas station to meet with Richmond County police officers. Mm. Jordan was incredibly thankful to the woman who picked her up from the side of the road and said she owes the woman her life. Mm. Once she knew she was finally safe, Jordan immediately called her mom. Even though it was past one in the morning, her mother answered, knowing something was wrong. Mm -hmm. The first thing Jordan did was reassure her that she was okay before then telling her what had happened. Her mother said, quote, I knew she was a smart and bright girl, but I didn't know she had this in her, end quote. Ugh, chills. I know, but like mother, like daughter, like you had it in you and you raised her right and she was like, absolutely not. Am I going to get taken to a second location? Fuck you guys. Mm -mm. Her parents and brother who lived in Charleston at the time immediately jumped in the car to come see her. After ensuring that she had only sustained bruises and a couple of scrapes on her knees and ankles from her daring escape, police then took Jordan back to her apartment so she could wait with her roommate, who she immediately hugged, hmm. desperately, I'm sure, yeah, for her parents and brother to arrive. While they waited, Jordan posted a message on Twitter that said, quote, Please be careful, you guys. I almost died tonight. I want to remind everyone to be safe when coming home late at night because I was just attacked kidnapped and held at gunpoint from my apartment door. The only reason I wasn't raped and most likely killed was because I kept my head and jumped out of my own moving vehicle on a busy street to get away. Thank you to the kind woman who heard my screaming and stopped her car for me and to Richmond PD for responding instantly and giving me my new nickname, James Bond. Yes. Uh, I'm obsessed. Yes. Which like well-deserved girl. I fucking get it. Absolutely. Um, The officers who responded to the scene that night found Jordan's Toyota Scion empty. A K-9 unit was brought in to search for the suspects, but they had already fled and police were not able to locate them at the time. Mm -hmm. The next day, Jordan and her family went with the police to get her car, which surprisingly wasn't damaged at all and fortunately had just rolled to a stop after she jumped out. (laughs) Amazing. (laughs) Right? Great. Police began investigating Jordan's kidnapping and were able to positively identify the men from fingerprints that were pulled from Jordan's car. Mm. Jordan was also able to ID one of the men from a photo and the three suspects were arrested later that week. After their arrest, police realized that the three men involved had been responsible for a three-week-long crime spree that had escalated from robbing delivery people to carjacking to kidnapping, then to a narrowly escaped sexual assault attempt in Jordan's case. Jaws on the floor. I know. Wait for it. The oldest of the group, Raquan Green, Green, was only 17 (gasps) at the time, while the other two were only 15. Baby, no. I know. These are still babies. What is happening that you're doing this? Right? And since they were minors, the two 15-year-olds' names were not released to the public. Right. Police were able to determine that the crime spree had involved six other incidents starting on July 3rd at 11.30 p.m., when a delivery driver from China Wing Basket was robbed at gunpoint on the 100 block of Astor Circle. The spree continued on July 15th at 7.50 p.m. when a teapot Chinese restaurant delivery driver was robbed at gunpoint at the Village at Columbia Apartments. On July 17th at 7.13 p.m., another delivery driver was robbed and assaulted at 1612 Bentley Court. Also, like... How much money does a delivery driver have on them? I don't know. Like a hundred bucks max? Right? Especially because it's like 2017. I feel like most people pay for everything like through an app. I don't really like give cash to the delivery drivers. Let's assume it's a hundred bucks, right? Like what time
1: are you doing for a hundred dollars? Because he doesn't have like a thousand dollars on them. And even so, like what time are you doing for a thousand dollars? That you're splitting three ways. So you're getting 30 bucks.
0: Yeah. And like, maybe, okay, maybe you steal his phone and you can sell the phone for whatever. Like that's not, that's not that much either. No, it doesn't seem worth it. Yeah. Not at all. It seems just like senseless and ridiculous. Mm-hmm. We'll get into it, but yeah. Yeah. The spree then escalated on July 19th at 11 40 PM when a delivery driver was kidnapped at the village at Columbia apartments at 1050 Southern drive on July 25th. 1.30 a.m., a victim was kidnapped at Stadium Suites at 112 Silo Court. Later that same night, they robbed, carjacked, and kidnapped another victim at the same location. Charles on the floor. Girl. The next night, three teenagers would go on to kidnap and rob Jordan Dinsmore at gunpoint. So literally, the night before they attacked Jordan, they committed two other crimes, like, back to back. Like, one was at, like, 1.30 and one was it? like, two. This is crazy. Girl, so crazy. All the incidents happened late at night, and the perpetrators primarily targeted delivery drivers or students who were leaving apartments in the area, stealing cash, cell phones, and various electronics. The frequency and the level of violence was increasing with every crime, and at one point, the three even made one of their victims play Russian roulette. (gasps) But when they pulled the trigger, the gun did not fire.
1: Oh, my God.
0: Girl, I know. That's... the Russian roulette thing like really fucking gets me. I don't, I think it might be because of what was that show? They put it on Hulu. You really liked it. He's like a magician, but he, uh, it's also not a magician show. Oh, the brick. Yeah. In and of itself. In and of itself. She tells a story that's like a Russian roulette based story. And it's all I can ever think about when it gets brought up now. And it's, it's like so deeply upsetting to me. I, I can't.
1: Mm, interesting.
0: I mean, the the concept of Russian roulette is horrifying. Yes.
1: (laughs) Obviously. (laughs) Um, Hot take. But, um, oh my God, and like making someone else do that? Like, what the fuck? I know. (sighs) I can't
0: even imagine. After they were arrested, the three teenagers admitted that their crime spree had been racially motivated. According to Sheriff Leon Lott, they made a statement that they did not like white people and were only going to rob white people. Victims also told investigators the suspects said they, quote unquote, hate white people during the robberies. And one of the victims, who was African-American, was released when they looked at her driver's license and realized she was not white. Afterwards, she said they apologized for taking her and returned her to the complex, which I also can't imagine.
1: Jaws on the floor.
0: Yeah. If they just like looked at your driver and they're like, oh my God, wait. Sorry, I thought you were an Anglo. Yeah, you're not? Oh, my bad. Sorry. I'll just, we'll drive you right back. Like, NBD, sorry. That was my mistake. My mistake. Although these incidents should have been considered hate crimes, South Carolina is one of the five states that does not have hate crime legislation. Ugh. Meaning, charges for a suspected hate crime have to come from the federal level. Right. While Columbia's FBI office reviewed the case, the federal government does not usually bring hate crime charges against suspects under the age of 18. Mm-hmm. And while I couldn't find the verdict of the case, I think it's safe to assume they did not press any charges against that. Right. right. Police credited Jordan Dinsmore with ending the increasingly violent string of armed robberies, carjackings, and kidnappings in the area. While Raquan Green was the only one to be charged as an adult, all three faced armed robbery, kidnapping, and weapons possession charges. Mm-hmm. As Raquan waited for the bond to be set on the third of the three charges against him, he told the judge that he had, quote unquote, nothing to do with it, and claimed he was just trying to take care of his sick mother. Okay, whatever. By robbing people, I don't know what the reasoning for that was Yeah. Authorities believed he was a flight risk and his bond was set at $75,000. One of the 15-year-olds was charged with an additional count of attempted murder and assault on a police officer while resisting arrest. Mm. According to the police, he fought with the officer who tried to detain him, which left the officer with a leg injury that required hospitalization. Although the details of the juvenile's trial was not released, the two were found guilty and could remain in juvenile detention until they turned 21. Jordan reportedly spoke at one of their hearings, telling them they stole her peace of mind. Mm. Although he was tried as an adult, I couldn't find any information on Raquan Green's trial beyond the fact that he was also found guilty. It's unclear how long he was sentenced for his crimes or if he's still incarcerated. But I believe he is since it's only been like five years. Mm -hmm. Here's hoping for fuck's sake. Yeah. Although Jordan's ordeal had lasted less than an hour, she had trouble sleeping for weeks after she was kidnapped and had nightmares in which she ran from some unknown danger until she awoke. Following her attack, Jordan returned home to Charleston to stay with her parents for a while. The family also had a vacation planned and said it could not have come at a better time, looking forward to relaxing and cherishing the time they had together. Jordan returned to school a few weeks later. Now Jordan has a dog, a two-year-old boxer and pit bull mix named Bandit, who comforts her, and she's more cautious around dimly lit areas. She also makes sure to always carry a flashlight in her car and calls her apartment security guard when she comes home late so they can see her safely to the door. Mm. Jordan also started taking self-defense classes and said that they have changed her life in a major way. Mm. She continues to share her story once a semester at self-defense classes held at both USC and Columbia College. Jordan has been an amazing role model and Shannon Henry, the chief executive of the surviving assault, standing strong or SAS self-defense group mm. said quote, part of what's really interesting about Jordan is that she's cute and she's petite, but that's her camouflage.
1: I'm sorry. Is that what I just said about Amy motherfucking trade Hey, yes.
0: Don't count us out. No. Like we'll fucking surprise you. Absolutely. Thank you. She's a warrior and her ability to use it when she needs to is really powerful, end quote. In addition to earning the badass nickname of James Bond, mm-hmm. which, like, fuck yeah. I kind of want, that's fucking dope. Yeah. Jordan was also awarded the Bobby Tucker Courage Award from the South Carolina Black Belt Hall of Fame for her bold escape. Jordan has also made several public speeches about her kidnapping scare and even recounted her escape on the Dr. Oz show in New York. In addition to her mom's advice, Jordan also credited her college coursework for her ability to keep calm under pressure. She said she always wondered if she would be able to keep a cool head and get out of a life-threatening situation and wanted to prove to herself that she could. Jordan says that she's glad this happened to her instead of someone else because she could get away and wants people to know that, quote, victims don't have to be victimized. You can do everything in your power to take control of the situation, end quote. Mm. Jordan will finish her degree in criminal justice at the University of South Carolina in May. This was May 2017, obviously, Mm -hmm. and plans to intern with her local sheriff's office. The Richland County Sheriff's Department said that they will always have a position open for her at the department if she wants it. Mm -hmm. She hopes that a career in law enforcement will help prevent similar kidnapping attempts and prepare would-be victims for what to do if they were ever attacked. Jordan Dinsmore says her only regret is that she didn't get to see the looks on her two kidnappers' faces when she jumped out of the car. (laughs) Quote, they were in a moving vehicle without a driver and a 20-year-old girl just outsmarted you. I wish I could have seen their faces at that moment so that they knew that I might have been a victim, but I was not victimized. End quote. Fuck yeah. Yes, Jordan, you fucking badass. I love you. I can't believe you just straight up jumped out of a car. What a bamf. Knowing that her ability to drive stick shift was one of the main reasons she was able to escape, Jordan says she's going to be driving a manual for the rest of her life. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I fucking don't blame you. While Jordan was originally planning to become a detective, it seems she eventually decided not to pursue a career in law enforcement. After completing her internship with the Victim Services Unit of the Columbia Police Department, she eventually relocated to Virginia and has since gone on to become an insurance producer with State Farm. Hmm. Jordan eventually got married and now has a son. Although she didn't pursue a career in law enforcement, she still enjoys when people reach out every time they hear her story and are inspired by her. She wants people to know that they don't have to be a victim and they should do whatever they need to do to get out of a situation in which they're in danger. While Jordan hopes that no one ever has to face a similar situation to what she did, she encourages parents to talk to their children about the dangers that are out there and what to do in a situation like hers. Hmm. And that is the story of the harrowing kidnap and courageous escape of Jordan Dinsmore from South Carolina, who was nicknamed James Bond for her jump from her moving vehicle. What a fucking BAMF.
1: I am so obsessed.
0: Right? Ugh. I know. I feel like we needed a little feel-good pick-me-up story. So. Yeah. And you nailed it. That was amazing. Thank you. Jordan, what a fucking badass. What a bamf. I you deserve your nickname. Absolutely. And all the accolades. Yeah. Get it, girl. I love everything about the story. Kind of makes me want to learn to drive manual. Yeah.
1: So you just tug and
0: roll. Yeah. tuck and roll. It's fine. (laughs) Despite that, am I going to learn to drive manual at this point in my life? Probably not. Probably not. No. You
1: know, girl can dream though.
0: Yeah. But also might save your life one day. So not a bad skill to have. Mm -hmm. I couldn't handle that story for a second. That story was amazing. Thank you. Thank you so
1: much. I never heard of it. Yeah. Me neither. Love it. Fantastic. Thank you so much for that story. And thank you guys so much for listening. We're another fucking horror podcast. I'm Monique Sanchez. I'm Amy Traden. If you don't follow us on the gram already, you should. You can find us at another fucking horror podcast. You can find me, Monique Sanchez,
0: at Pin Up Girl Mo. You can find me, Amy Traden, at Lobotomy, and that's Lobot, period, Amy.
1: Every sixth episode, we do a true listener tales episode where we read your true personal crazy stories. So if you have a story or you just want to say hi, Email us at another fucking horror podcast at gmail.com with a period instead of the you and fucking guys. We're so obsessed with you. Keep it cute.
0: Keep it creepy. Bye. Bye.